Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Discover episode where we learn about the daunting world of finances. In this episode, you will learn how to make your own realistic budget, how to start paying off debt, and how to combine that with investing. Ready? This is the Say Yes to Fire Show. And now, join the conversation with Susanna Say Yes as she takes you on a mind-opening journey into the daunting world of financial independence and retiring early. We interview guests. We talk about stocks, crypto, and more. Streaming to the world and beyond. Your Mondays will never be the same. Ready? Three, two, one. Fire! Hola, say yes to fire. Welcome back to the financial diaries of this millennial. We are happy to be here today, one step farther to our financial independence and retiring early. Remember, let's work smarter, not harder. Quick note, this is free financial education, not financial advice. Oh, don't forget to follow Say Yes to Fire on Instagram and Twitter. Let's dive right in. Your financial diary. Yes. It's me again, that average millennial who so desperately wants to achieve financial freedom and be wealthy. Anyways, I must confess, I recently had issues with my budget. I basically blew it. I mean, it was summer and I traveled back home, I saw my friends, I ate a lot, drank a lot and I did so many fun activities. Which, by the way, I don't regret. I mean, we need to live a little, right? But now, well, I was just doing my monthly personal finances, checking on how much I saved and how much of that I invested. And damn it. I didn't save my usual 30% and I invested a bit less than I wanted to. So here I am with post-holidays depression, thinking about my next holiday. I know. (laughs) It sucks. Anyway, I must take action and redefine my budget. I need some inspiration, though. Hey, you. Yes, you. You're listening to my diaries, right? (laughs) Okay, so I'm talking to you right now. You should also do some post-holiday damage control. I know it might be bad and hard, but that's part of our financial journey. Remember, you want to retire early, and you... Yes, you, you want to be wealthy, right? So why don't we do it together? Okay, let me explain. I brought some big inspiration right here in this episode. Yes. So why don't we take control of our personal finances, budgeting, and we keep an eye on that debt, yes? Before welcoming Alison Baggerly, yes, the influencer of Inspired Budget and businesswoman, I want to say 
Thank you to those of you who support me every single day on this podcast journey by sending me messages and asking questions. Questions are always welcome here. There's no such thing as a dumb question, remember. We are already more than 2,000 of us on our Instagram community at Say Yes to Fire. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I have received some emails from you regarding blockchain questions from my last Get Skilled episode. I will answer one question at the end of this episode, so make sure you stay tuned until the end. Oh, and thank you Lachlan for buying me five coffees. I love your support and I'm here to help you, always. If you like also this show and you would like to support me and say yes to fire, you can buy me a coffee also. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash say yes to fire. Super easy. And I will thank you and give you a shout out in the next episode. Okay, let's continue. So welcome, Alison. I'm extremely happy that you're here. I've been following actually you on Instagram and on your podcast for a while. I'm one of those women that you are empowering for real, with your words and actions. So first of all, thank you for your efforts. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. It's nice to know that, you know, when you're behind a computer screen working and you're just behind a phone screen, sometimes you wonder, am I really having an impact? And some days I don't feel like I am. And then other days, like when you just said that, I realize, hey, yeah, there's real people out there that I'm helping. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I think that what you're doing is great and especially helping people with the budgeting and getting out of debt. I think that's mm-hmm. really great efforts. So, Alison, can you tell us a bit about yourself and where you're from and what you're doing? Absolutely. So I live in Texas, in the United States and Texas, and I basically teach women, I help women learn how to write a budget, pay off debt and save money. And it all came to me whenever I was going through my own struggles 10 years ago. My husband and I had over $111,000 worth of debt. And on two teacher salaries, we were trying to pay that off as quickly as we could and really truly being able to become debt-free and pay off all of that debt, which did not even include a mortgage, it came down to budgeting for me. And so I used to be a teacher. Inspired Budget has allowed me to take my skill set of teaching and my passion for personal finances and really combine them to help adults now, I'm still teaching in a way, help adults learn how to take back control of their finances. That's awesome. I think it's very beautiful that you bring your, let's say, educational skills to another level. Mm-hmm. And now you, you're you helping people like me, for example. So you mentioned that you help um, women, especially with three things, right? You help learn how to take back control of the money, how to write a budget that actually works and pay off debt. So in this episode, I would yes. love if we can explore these, let's say, three actions a bit more in depth and see a bit the story uh, behind each. So if you don't mind, then let's hope uh, (laughs) I can ask this question, but I would love to start with taking back control of one's money. Were you ever out Mm -hmm. of control with your money? You know, I was, but I didn't realize I was. And I think that a lot of people find themselves in this position where they don't realize that they're 
swiping their debit card or their credit card almost mindlessly and that they're turning to spending as a way to escape some uncomfortable emotions. So when I look back now, I realize I was absolutely out of control with my money. I was spending money to hide from my truth, to hide from my feelings, to to hide from dealing with anything stressful. I turned to money. And while other people might turn to other types of addictions, for me, it was spending. And it wasn't until I basically hit rock bottom, I realized that something had to change because we could not afford daycare for our our child to be. I realized that something had to change and it, it started with a budget, but really that budget forced me to face those harmful spending habits that I had developed over years. So when you say that your budgeting, your budgeting strategy helped you, how did you that then um, gain control of your money with budgeting? How did that evolve? Yes. Well, I think that it's fair to say that nothing happens overnight. It's not this really quick um, evolution to taking back control of your money the very next day. For me, it came in the form of knowledge. I had to be aware of how much money I had where my money was going. And then also I had to face the truths of my spending habits and start noticing where am I tempted to spend more? Where is it that I need to create better boundaries for myself? And how can I make sure that these boundaries with my spending are reflected in my budget so that way when I do write a budget, I am giving myself permission to spend on some things because that is you know, what I was doing But I'm also making room to be able to pay off debt faster, save more money than I might have been before. I think you make an excellent point here because I think many people think that when you are on a budget, you can do anything. It's just like being more kept at home. Yeah, right? Yes. Yes. That's what a lot of people think. And that's what I thought. I think that is a very fair assumption, but it's definitely not true. So... Let's get into this situation. Like when someone comes to you for help, because imagine they feel stressed about their finances, you develop a plan together, right? Mm-hmm. Why are yes. then the main pillars of this plan? And if I may rephrase, what are the main steps of the plan? So the first thing that I, when I work with women that we do is we, we face our truth, which looks like knowing how much money is in your checking account, knowing how much debt you have, knowing how much money you have in savings and how much you really need to have in savings. It's about opening your eyes because money can be so emotional and it can be a very scary, scary thing to tackle. A lot of people don't know about their financial situation because it's scary when you look at it. So the first thing that we do is we lay it all out and we actually look at the numbers. Then we start looking at your habits, finding patterns in your spending, finding patterns in your expenses so that you can make a couple of changes and set boundaries in place with your spending to help you reach your goals. And then the third step, which is probably one of the most important and one that you cannot do until you do the first two steps is to then create a realistic budget. And I use the word realistic because 
so often we sit down and we create this beautiful, amazing budget that doesn't have anything to do with our life. It doesn't match ourselves, our unique personalities, our unique family dynamics at all. Instead, we're creating this budget that we think is wonderful, but in turn, it does not actually connect to our situation. So I want to help my, you know, my clients and help my members truly create a realistic budget, even if it's not perfect, just realistic. That way, five days in, you don't give up and throw it in the trash can and say, budgeting doesn't work for me. I can't stand it. I'm never doing it again. That's very interesting because I myself, uh, some time ago, I started with budgeting. And sometimes for me, it's very difficult Mm -hmm. to stick to my budget. And I always wonder why. So Alison, do you... Mm -hmm. Do you know what are the main, let's say, issues that make us women like get out of our budgets? Yes, I think that part of it is just not knowing ourselves enough, not knowing, not prioritizing what we want to spend money on versus what we feel like we have to spend money on. So for instance, I have an allowance. I do enjoy spending money and sometimes my allowance is more money than my husband has because he's not a spender at heart. However, if I chose not to give myself a spending allowance or fun money or just a room in my budget to be able to spend on what I want, then I would end up giving up on my budget. So I think it's knowing yourself and knowing your habits and creating something that aligns with who you are. So often we think that budgets have to be perfect, that they have to be this all or nothing. You cannot have any fun in your life. But that's not a perfect budget. A perfect in fact, I don't even think there is a perfect budget. I think that budgets are very fluid. They can change day to day based off of some of our spending habits. You can always go back and rework a budget to still be able to hit your money goals or get close to your money goals by the end of the month. And what are then the steps to set a realistic budget? If I may ask. Of course. So the first thing is to, you know, obviously know your income and know your necessary expenses and then start adding in those variable expenses and typically the things that throw us off our budget. What I like to do is say if you're used to overspending, let's just say on food because that seems to be one of the biggest areas where people overspend is on food. If you have been overspending for years on food by maybe – maybe several hundred dollars more than you should be or you want to be, one of the things I would say to create a realistic budget is don't cut back immediately to zero or to a lot less. Slowly implement the changes and bring yourself back down to an area where you feel comfortable slowly so that it's something that you can stick to. I think another Another part of creating a realistic budget is really knowing our spending in terms of things like gasoline and electricity and anything that is a variable expense, trying to estimate it as closely as possible. You're only able to do that if you have something in the past to look back on. If you can compare your spending to maybe this month last year or, you know, the month before. So I think knowing to compare your spending and knowing how much you are spending will help you create a budget category, you know, amounts in your budget category that are realistic. And do you think it really differs um, 
between, let's say, women and men, like how we stick to a budget and how we make it successful? You know, I think that there's a lot of thoughts out there about women that we are spenders and we shop frivolously and we only want designer things. And I like to think that that's a narrative that was brought on by a man, that a man created that narrative. Honestly, I don't think it's necessarily the difference between women and men, but the difference between spenders and savers. Because I am a spender. I do enjoy spending money. I get an adrenaline rush when I do spend money. My husband is different. He is a saver. However, some of my best friends, she is a saver and he is a spender. So I think sometimes it comes down to the environment we had growing up as a child, maybe what we saw in our own homes. Um, some Sometimes it comes from money trauma, but then part of it is just ingrained in who we are. To me, it's a bit difficult to differentiate whether... I'm, let's say, a spender or a saver because I have this desire to save money to then, like, of course, Mm -hmm. invest it and grow my capital in that way. Yes. But at the same time, I I love my little, let's say, rewards. You know, I love um, Mm -hmm. one thing, like I my one of my guilty pleasures are getting a massage because sometimes I get really stressed and I just need Mm -hmm. it. So how how could we like let's say look at ourselves and realize, okay, are we spenders? Are we savers? How does this first step look like? Well, I think it looks like accepting the fact that you might go through seasons or periods in your life where you do enjoy spending money. And then you might go through seasons or periods of life where you enjoy saving money as well. I think that based on our our current circumstances, that can change. I don't love spending money maybe as much as I did in the past, but sometimes I get the same reaction to investing as I do to spending money because I am buying index funds or parts of the stock market. I am buying investments. So I still now have that same reaction of almost that adrenaline rush whenever I buy investments compared to when I was buying things in the store. And so it's almost like spending in a sense, um, but you're just spending money now for your future later to to help you with your retirement. But I do think that it can change over time. We can go through seasons of our life. I know that for me personally, whenever I start, the more I spend money, the easier it is for me to fall back into the cycle of wanting to spend money. And in the past, that was always the cycle I lived in. I was in this constant state of wanting to spend money. But as I've worked on myself, as I've learned more about my money goals, as I have taken back control of my money, I can pu- I now know how to pull myself out of that cycle. And I also know the signs that I'm falling back into those habits. So I'm able to recognize it a little bit better. So in your personal experience, when you say, um, I'm now able to get out of that cycle, how do you actually Mm -hmm. get out of that cycle? Do you have like a strategy? Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
I do. Um, what I personally do is I, you know, my husband is my, uh, you know, he's my person. He's the person that can help hold me accountable. So the first thing is I go to him and I say, I feel like I'm overspending. I feel like I'm getting into this spending cycle. And a lot of times he's like, yeah, I've really noticed that too. But he never uses shame or guilt or hate whenever I come to him with this realization. And then I actually will set up almost like a system in place. I do this to myself. If he were to try to do this to me, I don't think it would work. But I will say, okay, I'm not going to make any more purchases over a certain dollar amount without just texting you first. That way, you know, or or you can veto any crazy credit card purchases I want to make. And that gives me, it allows me to have one extra barrier to making that choice. And having that extra barrier causes me to think twice. And when I think twice, I can usually talk myself out of spending something, especially if it was unplanned and unnecessary. But when I don't have to think twice, that's when I fall into an impulsive spending trap. That's a very good tip. I actually have something similar with my boyfriend. When I get my my paycheck at the end of the month, I usually want to spend more money investing <laughs> because I'm kind of a junkie <laughs> of investing. <laughs> and I yeah. always ask him like, hey, can you please like talk me out of it and like make me put some money in my emergency fund, for example, or just um, I send him some money and we put it in the joint account, for example. So I completely uh, mm-hmm. uh, feel <laughs> what you're saying with your husband. I think I have the same uh, with my partner. And Um, Mm -hmm. Your third, let's say, point was helping women getting out of debt and paying off debt. I actually do not have debt myself. I was very fortunate and I got a scholarship that covered my entire education. And I do do not own property, so I do not have a mortgage. But I know people in the audience that have debt, especially student debt. And if you don't mind, I, I have several questions on this one. Absolutely. So... First, paying off debt seems scary and overwhelming. And I think most of the people struggle with what to do first, you know, because you just come out of university and you just see this huge, let's say, amount that you have to pay back. And then there is the interest and everything comes to you at once, like a big tsunami. So what do you Mm -hmm. recommend to do to my audience uh, here today to basically how, how to start to paying off Debt. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think that, and especially in America, you know, we definitely have a student loan crisis. Many uh, colleges are incredibly expensive, and it's a many parents can't afford to cover it. So these students take out all of these loans, and they graduate at twenty one or twenty two years old, and they don't know what to do. So that was us. We, I didn't even know how much student loan debt I had. I just knew the minimum payment. That was it. That was all I was concerned about. And it wasn't until my husband and I sat down and totaled up all of our debt between car debt and student loans. We totaled it all up and it was over $100,000 worth of debt. And you said tsunami. I think that's a wonderful way to explain it. I always say that I was, I felt like I was standing at the bottom of a mountain And I was looking up at the top and I thought, how am I supposed to climb this mountain? I'm not equipped. I don't know what to do. I don't know what path to take. I don't have the necessary resources. I felt very, very stuck. And that moment alone is enough to scare people off. Just 
totaling up your debt alone causes people to almost feel like, why even bother? This is impossible. I'm just going to ignore this, make the minimum payments, and not even worry about it because it's overwhelming. So the first thing, the first step is actually adding it up. And that can – I'm not going to say that's the hardest step. It feels hard. The hardest step comes in the middle when you're actually working on paying off debt and you want to give up. But that is a significant step, just adding it up and facing your truth. I believe that there is so much power in facing your truth and knowing your financial truth. But then after that comes actually creating a plan. And a plan can look like paying off the debt in order from least to greatest balance. It can look like paying off the debt in order from highest interest rate to lowest interest rate. For our family, it looked like paying off the debt also in a very strategic order to free up cash every month so that we had enough money to pay for daycare. So we were paying off maybe the lowest balances with the highest monthly payment. But creating a plan allows you to get started and not wonder along the way if what you're doing is right or if what you're doing is going to work. Because you've done the research, you've created the plan, you know the next steps you need to take. So now all it comes down to is the motivation, the discipline, and the consistency to follow the plan that you've set. That's extremely interesting. And I completely agree. I think having a plan and sticking to it or really trying to do your best to stick to it, I think that's key. But Alison, what do you think is the worst kind of debt? I mean, I I can't stand credit card debt. Anything with a super high interest rate where people, you know, they, they get stuck. I have worked with women who literally cannot make all of their minimum payments and they get stuck and they are not making progress on their principal because the interest rates are so high. Now, I don't hate credit cards. I see credit cards as a tool. I have several credit cards. I pay them off in full every single month. However, when you're in this cycle, we talked about cycles earlier, when you're in this cycle of misusing credit cards, or maybe you've grown up around people that misuse credit cards and you thought this is the way credit cards work, when you're in this cycle, it can be really hard to pull yourself back out of it. So while I don't hate credit cards, I don't I I do hate credit card debt because it can really you know, they there's a reason why they are so successful. It's because they are profiting off of late fees, they are profiting off of interest and they're banking on people to not make payments and not make payments on time and not pay off their balances in full. That's extremely awful in my opinion. Mm -hmm. all this world you know I think it's funny because here in in Europe Mm -hmm. at least uh, in the Netherlands credit cards are not very used wow that's good yeah like I myself own one just like for when I travel but we Mm -hmm. all uh, use debit cards and we pay that's good yeah we pay with this let's say um faster payment systems and um Mm -hmm. so I don't think Credit card is a big, like credit card debt is a really big issue, at least in the Nordic countries of of, of Europe. But I think yeah. I, when I hear these horror stories, especially from people from the US, I'm always like, wow, like it, it must be super scary to be faced with these cycles that you were mentioning, that you're just like month after month yeah. and you cannot pay it off because you just have yes. money for the interest. 
Right. And what's very interesting is the credit card companies are the people that created this problem because many years ago, and this is illegal now, they would send you a credit card in the mail with already a balance on it. And they would send it, this was many years ago, they would send people credit cards in the mail with a $500 balance on it. They would say, okay, here's $500. Uh, this is your credit limit. Here's your card. And people would, you, they didn't understand. It was new. They were like $500. This is amazing. And you just keep digging yourself into this hole and you can't make the payments back because of the interest. Um, and so it's very interesting because they are the ones that caused this huge issue. And it is ridiculous how profitable they are. Um, you know, with some credit cards, you can get a lot of travel points and hacks. And, and that's why I use credit cards personally. I'm not, like I said, I'm not against them, but I have seen the harm they can cause. And when they have caused harm to a family, I do think it is good to, you, you have to stop that habit of turning to credit the moment that you have that habit, you have to recognize it in yourself and say, okay, I need to create a boundary in my life. So this is no longer a habit that I turn to, but the same can be said truly for anything in your life that no longer serves you. Yeah, I completely agree. Do you think there is any kind of, let's say, positive credit or positive debt that can have an impact in a positive way in our lives? Well, you know, I think that with your credit score, having having credit, using credit cards, maybe making debt payments on time can increase your credit score, which is a positive thing. You know, we need our credit score for many different things and, you know, everything outside of from buying a home to purchasing a car. There's lots of reasons why we have credit scores um, and having debt is not the only factor to increase your credit score, but it does play a part in increasing your credit score. So I I mean, I don't know if I believe that there's good debt and bad debt. I remember being told whenever I was 18 that student loans were good debt, but when I was 24 years old and couldn't pay for daycare because my student loan payments were so high, that didn't feel good to me. So, so no, um, not. I, you know, I think that debt is debt and, and high interest debt can be paralyzing and low interest debt is very man is can, can be manageable, but ultimately it would be wonderful to be able to get out of debt. Now I still have a mortgage payment. We're working on that. We just refinanced to a 15 year mortgage. So in 15 years, we will be out of our mortgage debt, but my mortgage debt doesn't hold me back right now from being able to invest and save money because I have this financial foundation from budgeting and I know my spending habits. So it's not a burden on me. I think you just touched on a very, very interesting point here. The relationship between paying off debt and investing. And yes, as I said, I do not have debt, but I do believe that investing can, can help you bring capital to pay off debt. But how do you see this relationship? You know, I I think that how I used to see investing is very different than I do now. As you learn, that's the wonderful thing about personal finances. The more you learn, the more your opinions and your thoughts will change. And that's okay. I welcome change in my thinking process when it comes to money. And I used to think, okay, you have to pay off all your debt and then you invest because that's what I was taught. But now I see, you know, with compound interest, 
especially if you don't have very high interest debt, then it's a wonderful option to be able to invest while you're paying off debt. My husband and I, we had, like I said, over $100,000 worth of debt, but none of our interest rates were above probably 9%. Our car interest rates were really low, below 3%. And our student loans, I think my husband had a couple of student loans that were maybe in the 8% range. But nothing was astronomical. You know, we didn't have credit cards with 24% interest rates. And so if I could go back in time, I think I would have started investing sooner, not because I didn't want to become debt-free, but because I think it would have been good to start learning about it sooner and start practicing it sooner. Because investing, while I don't think it's super complicated, can be overwhelming at first because there's, you know, vocabulary with it that you might not have learned. And so whenever you're starting to learn about it sooner, you start realizing, hey, this isn't as difficult as maybe I thought it was going to be. I can do this. And you have that confidence. Exactly. That is actually what we're trying to do here in this podcast. We're trying to spread financial education. So investing doesn't seem like, again, a tsunami or something scary. And you can just yes. just um, learn and do it at your own pace. But so mm-hmm. from a point of view of budgeting, um, how much do you recommend, uh, let's say, as a percentage of um, of your monthly income okay. to, um, let's say, allocate to um, investing and paying off your debt? How would that be rel- that relationship? Oh gosh. <laughs> I mean, the more the better. <laughs> if you want to, I, I mean, you know, if you want to be able to make progress with either paying off your debt as fast as possible or investing and getting to your fire goal or your, you know, retirement goal by, by a sooner sooner than as much as you possibly can. However, I do think that it definitely depends on your income levels. You know, saying that, uh, Allison, you should be say, saving or sending 60% of your income to debt while my husband and I were both teachers. There's physically no way we could have with two kids in daycare and a mortgage payment and all of these necessary expenses. There was absolutely no way. We were capped at a certain income. We were not going to make more than that. And it would have been unreasonable. It would have been irresponsible because then we wouldn't have been able to make our other our other payments. But whenever you're a high income earner, you know, you you can send more money to your debt payments or to savings. And so instead of saying, what percentage do I think is appropriate? Instead, I think that it depends on every single family and your goals and your income. That that totally depends on your income and the standard of living and where you're in the area that you are. That's a very good advice, actually. <laughs> Thank you a lot for that. Um, Alison, do you have any final advice to our audience here today in terms of personal finances, budgeting, and paying off debt? Absolutely. So my advice to anyone listening is to remember that you don't need a finance degree. You don't need um, college or university education to be able to understand this. To take it little by little and focus on your relationship with money. 
and what you are going through at this time. Because I know here in America, we aren't taught any financial literacy. Very seldomly is it actually taught in school. So it's on us as adults or on parents to teach their kids more about budgeting, more about saving money and paying off debt. So if you're willing to maybe read one article a day, maybe listen to one educational podcast, do something actively to learn more about money and how it relates to you and your life. Thank you so much, Alison. And final question, where can people find out more about you? Of course. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, then you can listen to my podcast as well. It is the Inspired Budget Podcast, and you can search for it in your podcast player. I'm also on Instagram at Inspired Budget, and I have a website, inspiredbudget.com. Thank you so much, Alison, for all this insightful conversation. I'm extremely happy that you're here with us today. I think we have learned a lot and we have some homework to do. <laughs> well, thank you, Susanna, for having me. That was a hell of an episode. Alison is really, really insightful, right? Well, why don't we take some action from this episode and we take control of our monthly personal finances? How? Very easy. Just go to sayyestofire.com and you will find one of my financial tools that will help you create your budget and keep track of your expenses and income. So as promised, here I am and I'm gonna answer one question that I received about the blockchain technology. It's a question from Mary Roberts and it goes as follows. Hey Susanna, what do you think is the biggest roadblock to the fullest adoption of cryptocurrencies and blockchain either in the whole world? Okay, Super nice question, Mary. So I think that the biggest roadblock is regulation, 100%. As soon as the central authorities realize the potential of this technology, they will start wanting it for themselves. They're already doing it. China, the first one. But once they want um, that to be, let's say, fully adopted, they will start making regulations about the use and the purchase of cryptocurrencies. There are already some regulations, but not very specific to each, let's say, blockchain. So that's my answer. I hope uh, it helped. If not, just send me another email. And finally, I want to thank you, all of you who support me every single day and for buying me coffees. I mean, it's amazing that you love the show and you're here. And every day we get better and towards our financial independence. Remember, if you also want to support the show, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sayyestofire. You'll get a shout out in the next episode. Till next time. You've been listening to the Say Yes to Fire podcast. Consider yourself enriched. For the latest, go to SusannaSayYes.nl. That's Susanna, S-E-L-L-E-S dot N-L. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Remember, sharing is caring. Till next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.